Welcome to the EMS Educator Podcast, powered by Prodigy EMS. Join us for relevant, high-quality discussions around the best practices in EMS education. You'll find interviews with experts in EMS, education, simulation, medical direction, leadership, and more. Hello and welcome to the new podcast, The EMS Educator. I'm Rob Lawrence, and also I'm joined by my co-host, Hilary Gates. Hi. Hi, I'm Hilary Gates. I'm the Director of Educational Strategy at Prodigy EMS, and I am proud to be by your side today, Rob. So we are broadcasting this very first episode live from Eagles in Florida. And uh, as you know, I flew in from California. It's the first time I've seen rain in four months, so I'm delighted to be here. But uh, we have a very special guest to kick us off, and that's uh, from New Orleans EMS, is the director and medical director, Dr. Emily Nichols. Emily, welcome. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. Grateful for you having me. So, yes, we we have found the perfect person to kick us off because, of course, uh, you've been in post for, what, now three, four years? Three years. Three years. Mm -hmm. And so you arrived and then you just had all things thrown at you, (laughs) you can imagine. And uh, as a new new chief, a new boss, a new director, of course, you've had to cope with things like uh, the pandemic. You've had to get get your feet under the table uh, and deal with a lot. So hopefully we can explore some of that stuff in the next uh, 20 minutes or so. Yeah, sounds great. So, Hilary, I know you've got a special question you want to kick off with. Well, Emily and her crew at New Orleans EMS, alongside Meg Marino, her deputy medical director, mm-hmm. have spun up a program that all of us should be emulating. And I think in four or five years, in fact, we'll be talking about how Emily and Meg paved the way for us. Emily has spun up a new program called the Diversity and Equity Council. And this is where the medical directors for this agency are focusing on making sure their agency pays attention to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I just want Emily to tell us where that program come from and how is it going and what does it look like? Sure. You know, the program really stemmed from um, our crews in the field and telling us what they wanted within our department and with our within our community. And so we recognize that while we have a very diverse agency, we needed to work a little bit harder on making sure that um, all persons within our department were Um, felt to be accepted and were represented, and then also that our medical practices were ensuring that our communication and our um, practices within our community were culturally competent. And so we've been really working to create a space where we're learning and educating and also challenging and checking ourselves to make sure that we're doing um, better with our our practices every day. How do you educate um, your entire agency and all these providers about the importance of these principles? Yeah, it's tough. You know, we um, say often the mind does not see what the mind, um, excuse me, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. And so we're really having some difficult discussions some days just about things like unconscious bias and really acknowledging that these things are just a part of our everyday um, environment and decision making, and it really does affect our patient care. And so um, we're going to some reference points um, and using um, persons that have already done training in this regard, mm-hmm. and then also just forcing difficult conversations, which we might have not have been willing to have. Excuse me, might not have always been willing to have in the past. You, you said difficult conversations there. So my question was going to be, uh, you know, have you been pushing against an open door, or have there been challenges along the way? 
you know, I think like everything, there's been some challenges. Um, and when you look at other um, other agencies and not just within EMS, but in other industries as well, there are often diversity and equity policies, but employees still report hostility um, and bias and just everyday remarks that um, could be done a little bit better. And so um, really challenging not only our persons in the field, but our leadership to really look at things that could have been done differently and encouraging do-overs has um, helped us get through some of those initial obstacles. I'd, I'd love to hear about a difficult conversation. What do those look like? Give us an example. That's a great question. You know, sometimes they're very simple where it was something that might have been said um, either in close proximity to a patient or um, in front of another employee, something that might have been um, somewhat offensive or just taken in a different context um, and person's feelings were hurt. And so being able to go back and say, hey, I think you just need to be a little bit more mindful or hey, let's talk about that. Because sometimes things are taken out of context and you can say, no, that's not what I meant. Or it's, wow, I did not realize how that might actually hurt your feelings. And these are everyday practices that we should be doing within medicine, within life. And so we're really just working on our communication, knowing that's the best skill that we have to offer our patients. And you have these advocates that have been designated in the agency, and what do they do? What's their role? Yeah, that's a great question. So we gave the opportunity for every employee to um, sign up to volunteer in this role, and it really is a think tank of six individuals meeting every other week with Dr. Marino and me and discussing how we can change our policies to ensure that there is an opportunity for everyone to have a seat at the table, a seat for um, moving up within the department to ensure that our hiring practices are considering not only your clinical skills or your driving skills or your background, but also do you know how to talk to patients? Do you know how to be respectful of patients' backgrounds? And so the DEAs meet and give us guidance, um, and they also serve as a point of contact for persons in the field to say, hey, I really didn't feel too great about this. Um, you know, and particularly people who don't want to go to the director. The DEAs are someone that they can really have that discussion More with. More like a colleague. Exactly. That's great. I don't, I don't know about you, Rob, but it strikes me as unique. Uh, a lot of things about New Orleans are unique, but this is uh, <laughs> about Emily and Meg's program. Is it the job of the medical director to spin up programs like this, or uh, would it typically be seen uh, to be done by a chief or a training officer. Um, what are your thoughts as someone who's run, run an agency? Well, I certainly think is whatever you do has to come from the top down. Absolutely. And so the example that uh, you've set, Emily, is absolutely right and proper. No matter what you're doing, of course, we're talking uh, talking about this this uh, program now. But whether it's whether you whether it's it's the culture of the organisation, whether it's the the clinical operation of the organisation, yes. the leader has to lead. It's yeah. as simple as that. And yeah. uh, and of course, there's a fine difference between management and leadership. And uh, you know, you've got to be the leader uh, and set the example, and people will follow. And so that's my view on sort of the, the way that you're going to lead the organization and get them to move forward. And of course, what you're doing, of course, is get them to move forward in, in a cerebral headspace as well about how they're feeling, how they consider yes. other people, how they are. And of course, this then transpires into patient care. Exactly. Ah. And Talk that's, that. yeah. Yes. That's and do. that's been our key point. You know, there's plenty of literature that talks about patient experience and patient satisfaction and a patient's likelihood to continue using the healthcare system. And EMS has a role in 
every mm-hmm. element of patient care from the moment you call 911 to the patient handoff and back into the community again. And so we really felt that this was our opportunity to step in and help build those relationships. And it really is the simple things like how we talk to people, how we answer their questions, how we build that um, bridge to develop trust. And so for us, this is an element of trust. And that's so vital in these brief moments we have on scene to really be able to most effectively provide that care and get that information that we need so that we can best help someone while we're um, getting them to their destination. I think that's a perfect answer because our citizens, our patients expect us to come in unbiased with no preconceived ideas, but actually do that one thing we want them to do, which is either make us feel better or more importantly, save our life. Yes. And so by... Doing doing the program that you're doing, I think that's that's fantastic. Interestingly, we were we're in Eagles, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But uh, one of the one of the takeaways I had from this morning was a cardiac arrest survivor who said the first thing that comes back is hearing. Yeah. And so what he's doing is he he may not have his eyes open, but actually he can hear everything that's going on around him, and yes. that includes some you know almost possibly derogatory, <laughs> profane uh, remarks sure. from from the crew around. So of course, if you have that in mind, then you're going to go in with that almost positive mental attitude and great approach to patient care. Fully agree. I mean, we tell our providers all the time, the patients aren't going to remember the medicine you put in that IV. They're going to remember what you said to them and how you said it Mm -hmm. and how you treated them, how you made them feel. And so little things like, tell me about yourself, tell me about your family. Mm -hmm. In those brief moments while we're doing those other procedures, those are what patients were calling. I really think that's what makes our care such a great opportunity to impact that change. And I I have to say, when a patient complains, they never complain about the size of needle you use. They tell you that somebody was mean to them yeah and therefore by let's eliminate that in the first place let's right. actually be nice to people as we're going forward and of Indeed. course that comes from the culture of yes. the organization that culture is set by the leader yeah and you go back to this thing about trust and about um being cared for perhaps by a person who looks like you sure and we know ems has a diversity problem and that there really um aren't a lot of yeah. uh, brown and black people in ems yeah. And that we need more. And your advocates are sitting on the employment interviews Correct. And, and helping with hiring decisions. That's, Correct. That's impressive. Yeah. And, you know, to be clear, um, we fully acknowledge that you don't have to be the same um, identity in whatever way as your patient. However, your ability to have some sort of rapport that discloses a commonality. And so it might have been I've had a loved one who's been where you are. Even those little comments help to bridge those gaps. But simultaneously, we know that there um, are sometimes challenges with lack of access within the community about knowing the resources, knowing about um, so, you know working with an EMS and had that even being a career option when you're leaving high school or coming out of college. And so we're getting out into elementary schools and high schools. I serve as the medical director for one of the um, high school EMR programs yes. because we really want everyone to know that they can come and work for us. Mm-hmm. I mean, who wouldn't want to work for New Orleans EMS, Rob? Because <laughs> then you get to be on TV and you get to be famous <laughs> and sign autographs. Well, well, spoiler alert, when I tweeted out that uh, we were going to talk to Emily earlier, I did uh, tag uh, Nightwatch Holly and uh, Titus and well, Dan and others. Well, uh, yes. You know. <laughs> And, you know, I'll tell you, all of them have been really passionate and involved in this, too. And so it's really been a great opportunity to wrap around all the fun things happening in our but city. look at how they've become ambassadors yeah. for EMS. And, yeah. and when you know, I've spoken to Nikki and Nicole from Baton mm-hmm. Rouge EMS, who were also East Baton Rouge, who were on Nightwatch. They have had black women yes. contact them and say, I joined EMS because I saw you on TV. That's 100%. Yeah, it makes what a difference. Impact. 
Yeah. You never know what little um, act that you do mm -hmm. five years, 10 years down the road will really change so much. And actually, I think that that's so important right now because the traditional sort of advertising is somebody running in slow motion from a burning building. That's and right. actually, we know that's mm -hmm. not the reality. No, not at all. And so they're able to see, you know, the, 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 the perfect thing is the reality show because this is what we do <laughs> yeah. day to day. Yeah. You know, we, we, we're yeah. not doing that kind of high-level trauma all the time. There mm -hmm. is an entire range of of uh, mobile healthcare that we deliver. Exactly. And I think, you know, programs like that actually show, you know, you know, the, all right, people like the gunshot wound scenes on television, but actually there's much more to it. And of course, we're showing that we're doing that. Agreed, agreed. Emily, one of the things that as an educator myself and someone who's worked in a fire department and done a lot of training is, what advice would you give to me if I said, I heard about your program, I'd like to do this? I know it's kind of new. Last August you started? or We formally started last June. Um, we've been thinking about it for a couple of years, yeah. but really got our DEAs, um, you know, announced and in their roles got about it. a year ago. What would you tell uh, someone? What advice would you give? What have you learned? You know... I think the first bit of advice is just do it. Um, if you're looking for that perfect setup, there's not that because we know that um, every agency is unique and you really have to identify what your space needs. Um, but I think getting people involved at all levels is really mm -hmm. important. And then the last piece would be really get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, it would have happened years ago if this was an easy thing to do. And so we know that some of the topics that we're discussing as a department are things that um, not everyone wants to talk about. But we're really trying to create a space where um, we're coming together and respecting each other's different perspectives um, and acknowledging that there's still so much that we do that we can celebrate as a, as a unit. And so it's really been a challenging process, but I would encourage everyone to keep with it. Um, and then I think nationwide there's an interest. And so the more people getting involved, it's like minds coming together mm -hmm. and just sharing those thoughts. So we're always happy for someone to reach out. Speaking of like minds coming together and sharing thoughts, I mean, that's Eagles, right? Um, Emily and Meg both talked well, to me about we, their first time. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. We're, we are here at Eagles, as, yeah. we, as we said. And uh, the Eagles conference for the first time is co-located with the first there First Care Conference, and it seems to be a match made in Pick the Place That's Your Utopia, going on very, very well. And Eagles has been going for 20 years, and uh, we know the kind of backstory to Eagles. And of course, it's the Metropolitan Medical Directors. We have folk here live. And remember, this is the first live conference, I think, national live conference that's gone on across the country since we've sort of, and I'm making those uh, those air quotes now, come out of the pandemic, although we know yeah. we haven't come out of the pandemic. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. a topic for another day. Mm -hmm. But, of course, it's going on live. We have group testing going on. We have social distancing going on. Safety is first. But it's happening, and it's interesting to see how this goes in order to see how the rest of the year will go in terms of other conferences. But this, Dr. Nichols, is your first time as an Eagle. Yeah, so so cool. how, how has it been for you? Oh, man, it's been so exciting, and I've been so honored and to actually meet um, all of the great people that I've been learning from and listening to. And, you know, you, Rob, I've loved hearing your voice on many podcasts over the years. And <laughs> when I turned and I heard your voice in the back of the room on day one, I said, oh, my goodness. Um, so it's just been really Just exciting. one second. Don't cut that bit when we edit. <laughs> it's been really exciting to be a part of this um, and exhilarating. And, um, yeah, you never know where life Thank will you. lead. So it's been great. And, and actually – Talking about my voice and Hillary's voice, we realise that in the space that is podcast, there isn't something that's purely devoted to EMS right. education. Right. There's many, many experts, and we know and love them, and uh, you know many of them are here. But actually, we want to make this very, very focused and narrow about the education piece of it. 
And so, you know, again, thank you for being our first guest because oh, it means a lot. Thank you. So thank cool. you so much. And, and uh, Dr. Marino, I'd be remiss if I did not um, mention her name. And she's just been a great partner to work with. And, you know, we've been fortunate to be able to represent New Orleans EMS. Let me also continue to big up Dr. Marino because please take back our best wishes and thanks because uh, Meg was one of the faculty at Refresh 2021, which brought together many, many experts in the in the EMS education field to provide their time for free to give us 30 amazing hours of, of free uh, CAPSI accredited uh, CE. Uh, that's still open, by the way, but uh, without uh, you know people like Meg giving up that time, we wouldn't have been able to lecture to what's currently 25,000 registered Amazing. people with over half a million hours of CE um, delivered, which is fantastic. And so please thank her for that. I sure will. She's such a great, dedicated educator. For the moment, I want to say, Dr. Nichols, thank you very much. Thank and you. I'll leave you to close, Hilary. All right, everyone. I am an educator at heart. Through all my time in EMS, education is the most important to me. And sitting here with the two of you and knowing we can get this kind of message out to the masses is uh, one of my greatest privileges. So thank you, Prodigy EMS, and thank you, Rob, and thank you, Emily. Thank you, Hillary. So that was our first episode of EMS Educator. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, any of those, please take a second to give us a rating. Uh, obviously, by doing that, it helps us go up the scale and be listened to by more people. It's a pleasure to say, we'll see you next time.